Um, hey, one of the things that I love is when we as a church uh, family have, have an opportunity to hear from voices um, that are outside of our church body, and they tend to be people that I know, friends of mine, and so I always get really excited when I get to introduce you guys to friends of mine, uh, and this morning is one of those mornings. Uh, Jason Turner is going to be speaking, uh, and Pastor Jason, is his church is just up the road here in Chandler, uh, off of Elliott and Arizona, Alma School, Alma School in Elliott's. And um, I am just so grateful for his friendship in my life over the last, it's been a year and a half or so, and uh, we never get quite enough time together, and COVID has really messed with our chances to have breakfast and, and gather, but, um, but the times that I even get to talk with Jason on the phone uh, are really enriching and encouraging for my heart. Um, Every time I've had somebody come and speak from outside, you've met a friend of mine who's been a friend, a mentor, someone that I am learning from, and Jason is no exception to that at all. Every time I'm with him, it just makes me want to love Jesus more and more. And so this morning, as Jason comes, will you guys give him... Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I think that is the greatest introduction that anyone can give you, that your time of um, friendship and relationship with them is challenging to their own uh, relationship, and that as a result, we are all able to uh, grow and to increase. Um, I, I just think the greatest thing in the world is to be called a friend. And so I appreciate that tremendously. Um, from our hearts, myself and my wife, we consider um, Pastor Doug and Heidi to be um, great friends who we have not had the opportunity to spend as much time together as we want to. We were on our way, and then, and then COVID hit, and then we were not able to do it as much. But uh, yeah, that's going to happen real soon. I'm sick, I'm sick of COVID. Um, <coughs> um, I want to, uh, how long do I have again? I, I, you told me, but I forgot. So an hour. Okay, got you. Um, uh, all right. Uh, so this, just so y'all know, this, this, is, this is intriguing to me. This is the first time this has ever happened, but through the advent of technology, today, right now, I am simultaneously speaking in three places. I am here. I'll be at our church at 10 o'clock. That was recorded yesterday. And then I'm at a church in California that was recorded on Thursday. So I'm, 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 I'm big time, I guess, around these, <laughs> around these places. <laughs> uh, I'm so honored to be here. This is our last Sunday before we begin our reassembly back. And, uh, when, and when Pastor Doug asked me to come, I specifically wanted to wait until the week right before we went back because I knew that coming here would be such a sense of encouragement for us and, 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 and the ability to gain uh, wisdom and examples from what you all are doing. So thank you uh, for those of you who didn't know us. And we walked in and you said hello. You said hi. It is reflective of the heart of your leaders and your pastors that you are friendly, kind, warm, loving, Christ-like, disciplined people. And to us, that speaks louder than anything else. So Again, thank you for having us. I'm here today not by myself, but with my beautiful wife. Woo-hoo! 
Do y'all dance in here? Can I dance a little bit? We, we just celebrated 25 years of marriage, and I'm just, I'm so happy. We made it to 25, not because of me. We made it to 25 because of her. She is an incredible, incredible woman of God. That was a joke. Y'all didn't laugh and didn't get it, or, or I didn't see you smiling because of the mask. Uh, <laughs> but I, I love her uh, tremendously, and, and every chance I get to say we made it 25 years, I'm going to say it. We got married at 12, and, uh, you know, so <laughs> we're glad to have made it thus far. <laughs> All right, I'm going to jump into this word for today. Uh, this particular scripture is one, if you are a preacher, there are scriptures that God gives you and you know it's for a group of people to share with, uh, an audience, your church, uh, a place that you've been asked to come to. And then there are certain scriptures that God gives you that is not necessarily about sharing it with other people, but he wanted to just share it with you. Uh, so this scripture that I'm getting ready to talk from is a scripture that God has given me for my life. I've had it for quite some time, and I've never shared it as a message until just recently. And it has been absolutely transformative for my life and very applicable to the current day and time that we live in. And I, I'm just honored to be able to share it with you on today. If you could go with me to Daniel, uh, the 10th chapter and the second verse, Daniel 10 and 2, and it's on the screen behind me. It says, this is Daniel speaking, uh, and it says, at that time, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three weeks. What I'm going to talk to you about this morning is a title of our message. is called, Make the Most of Your Words. I'm going to say it again. Make the most of your words. In this scripture in Daniel 10 and 2, Daniel is saying that he has been mourning for three weeks. Mourning is is a deep anguish. It is something that you have experienced that has caused there to be such a response to you that is not something that is easily turned off. Um, I recently experienced the death of my mother uh, 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 back in March, and that was a time of mourning. There could be anything that would trigger her thought and thus trigger tears and crying and mourning within my life. Mourning is much deeper than just crying because you have been impacted by something immediately. Mourning is much deeper within you. It has a much uh, longer effect that's upon you. And in this scripture, Daniel is telling us that there is something that he has experienced that has caused him to be in this place of mourning for three weeks, 21 days, we find Daniel, according to this scripture, mourning. Well, this would behoove the question, what was Daniel mourning about? Now, the scripture doesn't explicitly point to what it was that Daniel was mourning about, but we can implicitly pull from the context and from the time the things that were going on to show us a couple of reasons why Daniel would be mourning. There are two major thoughts as to why Daniel is in this place of grieving or in this place of mourning. The first thing that we find is that two years prior to this statement, 
Uh, God had spoke a, a, a prophetic word or a dream to Daniel to let him know that he was getting ready to allow his people that were in exile to be freed from Babylonian captivity to have the ability to, to, to return to Jerusalem. And that this was what he was going to do, and this is exactly what happened. Just as God said, he allowed a leader to rise up that then uh, provided freedom for the Jewish people, which allowed them uh, to have the opportunity to leave from being in exile to return to Jerusalem. But the problem is, is that in that two-year period of time, all of the millions of people that were in exile and that had the opportunity to return to Jerusalem, only a small percentage or remnant of them did. It was in the numbers of tens of thousands as opposed to the millions. Only tens of thousands decided to return back to Jerusalem, to return back to this place where God reigned fully, to return back to this place to where they could observe their traditions and the things that they had been raised in, to return back to this place where their life could be totally given to the observance of God and how great that he was. And when given the opportunity to do so, Instead of there being millions, only thousands return. And it is, and it is said of the text that this is a possible reason why Daniel was in mourning, because he was mourning for the state of the church. Because when the church had the opportunity to leave sin, when the church had the opportunity to leave the comfort of the things that were not familiar to God, they chose to remain in what they were used to instead of pushing and forging ahead to a new destiny. This reality caused Daniel to mourn. Why? Because Daniel had given his life since the age of 16, and right now he's 80. He had given his life to the things of God. Every time we see Daniel, Daniel's in a place of praying. Daniel's in a place of interceding for God's people. Daniel's in the place of being used by God to speak God's heart to his people, to let them know through their difficult times, yes, you may be in a difficult moment, but I'm still your God. I'm working a plan for your life. I still have things under control, and just trust me. And Daniel has been in this place of articulating this message. And now when they get to this time, of being able to exclaim freedom, to being able to exclaim, let's go back to the things of God, that God's people were not in a rush to return to God. The state of the church had Daniel in mourning because there was not a pursuit from God's people to pursue after God. They were content in being in the land in which held them captive. I don't know about you, but it kind of speaks to where we are in our present-day reality. There are a lot of people that God has been good to, and you are where you are because of the grace and the goodness of God. And when we have opportunity to return to the things of God, when we have an opportunity to serve Him, and I'm not talking about y'all, I'm talking about the other people. But when we have an opportunity as a large group of people to do so, we don't. We would rather remain in the lazy boy chair of comfort of not being disciplined concerning the things of God because it's easier to have it our own way. 
It's easier to get things done the way we want them to do. It's easier to be able to just respond how we want to respond. But God's people are not a happy-go-lucky people, if you will. God's people are a disciplined people. God's people have measures and standards. God's people walk in righteousness, and it costs you something to do that. And we're at a place in time where there are not a lot of people that are willing to do it. We're at a place in in time where there is a remnant that is saying, God, I'll go if nobody else will. And because of this, Daniel was in a place of mourning back in our text. The second reason that theologians think that Daniel may be in a place of mourning is because Daniel had received a dream from God. And in that dream, there was an indication of what was getting ready to happen in the climate of humanity that was going to be present at that time and in times to come. And the heaviness of what he was seeing, it began to trouble him because now he was not just troubled by the state of the church, now he's troubled by the state of the union. Because the word that is coming is saying that things may get more difficult before they get better. The word that is coming is saying if people don't repent, we're going to see some hard times. Daniel was troubled because of the state of the church and the state of the union. I don't know about you, but we live in some troubling times right now. Our union is in trouble right now. And I'm not just talking about the union of the United States, but I'm talking about the union of the, United, of the unity of the entire world. We are in trouble. We, we, we can't agree. We can't disagree without there being polarizing effect. We, 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 we can't deal with different subjects without us wanting to be at each other's neck. What happened to love? What happened to decency? What happened to the ability to agree to disagree? What, what, what happened to where we used to be? Our world, our country, our union, we are in trouble. And it's not going to take any one person, any one thing to make it get turned around. It's going to take all of us to cause it to happen. We are in trouble, the state of the church and the state of the union. But what I love about this is that the text doesn't leave us there just showing us that Daniel was troubled and that Daniel was mourning. Because we as God's people, we have the ability and the responsibility to respond to what troubles us. Ah, that's good to me. I got, I got to stop right there. That's good to me. We, we, are, we are not hopeless. We, we, are not, we are not found without tools at our disposal to be able to respond to the state of the church and to the state of the union that is around us. We have been given something that allows us to be able to respond to what it is that we are seeing and facing. If you go with me to Daniel, the 10th chapter and the third verse, just go to the next verse. I'm going to show you what Daniel's response was to the morning, what Daniel's response was to him being troubled. It says in Daniel 10 and 3, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine had entered my mouth. Keep going. And I had not anointed myself at all for the full three weeks. So Daniel said, I'm in mourning because I'm troubled by the state of the church and the state of the union, but I'm not without a remedy. 
Daniel said, I'm going to do now at 80 what I've done since 16. I'm going to turn my face towards God. I'm going to start praying, and I'm going to start fasting. Daniel fasted for three weeks. Ooh, I know I said a four-letter word. <laughs> and for us, it may be pray or fast, or for some of us, it's both of it. But it is the tool that is at our disposal that only believers have and nobody else has, that if we begin to use it as God has given, it has the ability to shift trouble. It has the ability to change things. It has the ability to cause what is going down to reverse its course and to go up. It has the ability to save that which is lost. It has the ability to heal that which is sick. It has the ability to do that which nothing else can do. If God's people would pray, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray. Y'all ain't saying nothing in here would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal the land. I believe that the responsibility to get the land healed, to get the state of the church healed, to get the state of the union healed is in the responsibility of God's people to say I am willing to be moved by grief. I'm willing to be moved by mourning. I'm willing to no longer be comfortable and I'm willing to get in a place of fasting and prayer. When is the last time you've been so moved by something that you saw that it caused you to say, I'm not hungry anymore. I got to talk to God. See, we spend a lot of our time talking to each other. And I'm not mad at you. That's good. But I think we don't make the most of our words. I, I think the majority of our time should be spent in us talking to God. I, if I'm going to talk to somebody, I want to talk to somebody who can do something about what I'm talking to that person about. Are you here? See, 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 talking is not bad, but talking is ineffective if you're not talking to the person that can impact the thing that you're having an issue with. Are, are you all here? If, if my wife, and my wife is a good, uh, uh, my wife can cook. Uh, she, she, y'all missed that. I'll get in trouble later. Uh, <laughs> But, but she's gotten much better. If you ask her when we first got married, her, her number one dish was tuna casserole. And I, I didn't understand it. Tuna should be cold. <laughs> Why is this tuna hot? It just, I don't, I don't get it. But I ate it and smiled because we was the first year, year, first year in. But about the eighth month of tuna casserole, I, I had to say something. <laughs> uh, are y'all here? Because... What, what, what is the point of me talking about her to somebody else who can't fix it instead of talking to her to say, baby, I appreciate your effort. I know you're doing this because you love me, but I just, I have a, a, a ideological, uh, 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 <laughs> trying to find a nice way to say, that's nasty, please stop cooking that. And then we went up, we graduated to Hamburger Helper for a season. And I helped her with that hamburger. Then 
We graduated to other things. Now my, 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 my wife can throw down, but she can throw down because we had a conversation. I talked to her. I didn't talk to somebody else's wife about my wife. Oh, y'all got quiet. I wish I could walk right down because y'all got like... No, 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 because what's the point of talking or using my words to talk to somebody about something that they can't fix? And I think a lot of our rhetoric is spent on Facebook, is spent texting, is spent in our tweets, is spent in our, our, our calls to each other, complaining and talking about things to each other, and we don't have the ability to fix it. See, there's no problem with you sharing your heart with somebody if at the end of that conversation you're saying, okay, now that we've heard what the issue is, let's go talk to God. Let's go together. Y'all got quiet. I'm going to come closer. Let's, let's go pray together. If your conversations don't end with you saying, now let's go pray to God, then it's possible your whole conversation was filled with gossiping. Oh, I feel tomatoes coming. We spend a lot of our time talking in the wrong direction to the wrong people. This is, this is how I believe we're in such an age of rhetoric, in such an age of inflamed conversation, in such an age of damaging words, and we are not concerned about what our words are doing to each other. That's not Christ-like. That's not the walk and the reflection and the talk of a disciple or a disciplined one. If you are his, your life and your tongue is disciplined because you understand that I got to make the most of my words. So I'm gonna take my time and I'm going to talk to God. And this is what Daniel did. He talked to God. He talked to God about what was troubling him. He talked to God about what was going on in his life. He was talked to God about the things he was mourning over. He talked to God in truth about how he felt with what he was seeing. And the Bible says this, and this takes me to my favorite scripture. Daniel, the 10th chapter and the 12th verse. Stay with me for a few more minutes. I'm almost done. Daniel 10, 12 says this. He said to me, now this is an angel that is speaking to Daniel. Many theologians believe that because Christ had not had a body, was not yet in bodily form that we see in the New Testament, that many times that Christ showed up in the presence form of an angel. And so that this is this angelic presence form of God, incarn not incarnated, but God in the person of Christ that is now speaking to Daniel. Are you still with me? So this is the word speaking. See, whoo, that's good. That's not in my notes. But when you speak to God, God, when you speak to God and you use your words to speak to God, you will always have a response of a God who is the word. So the word now is speaking to Daniel. He says, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day, that you set your mind, New King James Version says, you set your heart to gain understanding. Next part. And to humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard. Stay there, don't go any further. Go back to the first part of that scripture. There's something that the word or that the angel spoke to Gideon, not to Gideon, to Daniel to let him know 
what God's response was to his words that he used to talk to him. Are you still with me? Watch this. He let him know, hey, Daniel, I heard you the first day you prayed. The first day. You as God's people need to know that when you go to God with a certain, when you go to God in a certain way to pray, it doesn't take him long to hear you. Unlike if I have a beef with a, a certain political issue and I want to get a response from a person that's responsible in a political office, I may send an email and it may take days or weeks before that person hears it and responds to it, if at all. But when I talk to the God of the universe, it says that when I come to him in prayer, he hears me on the first day. How encouraging that is to know that God takes interest in little old me, that God is concerned about hearing what I have to say. Are you here? If you are his, he wants to know your words, but you got to go to him first, and then there's a response that comes from him. This is what I want to show you, and again, I'm done. This is what happens when you pray. I'm going to show you why did God hear Daniel's prayer. The first thing why God heard Daniel's prayer is because he said he set his mind or his heart to gain an understanding. That's the first thing in prayer. When you go into prayer, you're not going in saying, God, I know everything. And God, I don't agree with what's going on. God, I think this should be happening. I think this person should be in office. I think this should stop. I don't like what's being said over here. God, why aren't you listening to me? I know how to run the universe. You go to him to gain an understanding. In other words, you go to him, uh, un you go to him with a knowing that you don't understand everything. God, I'm coming to you because I am your creation and you are the creator. I'm coming to you because you are the potter and I'm the clay on the wheel. I'm coming to you because I have an infinite amount of time in a, a timeline that is beyond my understanding. God, I am a drip in the bucket of everything that you have done that we only understand within a closed proximity, looking through stained glass as the word says. God, I realize that I don't get it all. I'm coming to you to gain an understanding. God, why is it that we're going through this? God, why am I experiencing this? God, why do people treat me this way? God, why is this person feeling like this? God, why is our church in this particular state? God, why is our union in this state? God, I'm coming to you to gain an understanding because watch this. When you gain an understanding about a person or a thing that you don't understand, what begins to happen is that you begin to pray for the thing that you didn't understand first. I think the problem that we have in the state of the church and in the state of the union is that we lack empathy for each other. We lack a desire to understand the condition and the issue of our neighbor because we are used to looking at it through the view of our experience. 
And we don't want to take the time to understand how somebody who lives in the house next to me can have a different experience even though we live on the same street. God, I come to you in prayer, not to Facebook, not to a blog post, not to jumping on other people's rhetoric. God, I'm coming to you because I need to gain a heart of understanding. What I love about Pastor Doug is that I'm black, he's white. I don't know if y'all noticed that. But what I loved about him is that when we first met, he, we, we, our Pentecostal roots reached towards each other, grabbed a hold to each other like it was life support, and said, let's go out to eat. We sat down at a table. It's a whole different message. And at a table, we began to talk and to eat before COVID hit, and we began to gain understanding from each other. We began to gain insight from each other. I didn't come to the table to fix him, and he didn't come to the table to fix me. Because if he had came to the table to fix me, he would have got fixed. <laughs> I would have ordered everything on the menu, got it to go, and left him with the bill. That's what I would have done. That's what I would have done. Uh-huh. But he came to understand. I came to understand. And as a result, every time we get together, which is why it's so enjoyable, we walk away understanding each other's experience more. I think the problem that we have in the state of the union and in the state of the church is a lack of a desire to go to God, to ask God for the heart to understand humanity and to understand each other. Daniel had a problem with the church but he didn't say, God, why didn't the rest of the people go back to Jerusalem? You know, we've been here praying for this to happen. And God, you opened the door. And them lazy people wouldn't get up from their place of sin and contentment and go back to a place to serve you. God, I call upon the spirit of Moses, strike them dead where they stand. <laughs> he didn't do that. He went to God and said, God, I don't understand. I don't get it. Why is it that only a remnant returned? And it was in that place of prayer and fasting. Why is fasting important? Because it makes your prayer real. I don't know about you, but I like food. Y'all got quiet. I wish I could walk down here and walk through y'all. I love food. When I got up, I was thinking about what to eat. When I got here and during worship, I was considering where I was going to eat. I love food. If I wasn't a pastor, I'd be a, I'd be a food critic. <laughs> Y'all laughing. I'm still trying to find a way right now. How can I do both? I love food. So if you tell me not to eat, it's going to make my prayer more sincere and more urgent. Why? Because I want God to hurry but answer this prayer so I can go get me a chicken sandwich. God, come on, God, I need to understand this. Help me understand. So I'm going to sit right here and sing songs and shake and go back and forth. I'm going in because I'm fasting because I need to understand this. God, I ain't playing because Chick-fil-A closed and then that open Sunday. Come on, God, tell me what's going on. Fasting puts an urgency to your prayer. This is where Daniel was at. He had an urgent prayer. God, I need to understand. All joking aside, God, I need to understand. Help me to understand your people, and why they didn't respond this way. And God, help me to understand the state of the union and why these things are getting ready to happen. He prayed to have a heart of understanding. The second thing that he prayed to have, it says this 
and to humble yourself. Arrogant people don't get answers. Arrogant people just continue to hear the echoes of their own voice. Humble people hear God. Are you here? God, you got to go before God humble. God, again, I don't know it all. Help me to lead. Help me to make the right decision. Help me to be a reflection of your heart and your love to your people. God, help me to be the best husband I can to the wife that I have for 25 years and let me not take her for granted or tell jokes that I'm going to get in trouble with when I get back to the car. <laughs> you tell I wasn't faster. God, help me to be a better, somebody got that joke, thank you. God, help me to be a better father. I got four girls. Help me to raise them in this climate where they don't have fear, but they are aware. God, help me to help them understand the political protests and the things that we have going on the street and help me to raise healthy young girls that fear you and not nothing else. That, that takes some being humble. That takes being said, God, I don't know it all. God, I didn't have a father being raised, so I don't know how to be the very title that you allow me to share with you. How arrogant of me to think that I know it all. Let me humble myself and say, Daddy, I need your help. The posturing of humility will help to bring about a response from God. Are you all here? Because the next thing that it says, and, I, and, I, and I'm almost done. This is my third closing, so we're close to the end. Pentecost people understand this. It says here that your words were heard. You see that? Daniel, God heard you. Why? Because you had a desire to understand from your heart and from your mind and because you came with the correct posture. Daniel, I want you to know God heard you. I don't know about you. I want to be heard. There was a study that happened in, uh, not a study, but an advertisement in a newspaper that happened in New York about two years ago where a guy took out a full-page advertisement and he said, if you call this particular number, it's a 1-800 number, and it costs like $3.99 per minute. If you call this particular number, I will answer and listen. People picked up the phone, paid $3.99 per minute, to call and to talk to somebody and not have what they needed to say be interrupted. The study found that people were willing to pay hundreds of dollars just to know that somebody was willing to listen to them because being heard brings value to your existence. That what I have to say, what I have to contribute is important enough for somebody to listen to. Dear woman and man of God, I want you to know you have value to God. You're important enough that when you talk, he wants you to know he hears you. You don't have to pay him $3.99 a minute. You may have to bring it to hope, but you don't have to pay. Y'all didn't get that one either. <laughs> but he hears you. He loves you. Why does he hear you? Because he loves you. Why does he hear you? Because he sees you. I'm a father. I have four girls. When my children come to me and they want to talk, my wife taught me this because I didn't know this because I didn't have a father growing up. She did. 
She said, sweetheart, when your daughters come and talk to you, you have to give them your undivided attention because if you don't, it will only be a matter of time before they stop coming to talk to you and they find another man that will give them attention. I said, well, you ain't got to worry about that another day. <laughs> My daughters would come to me. I'm like, hold, wait, hold on. Where's the remote? Turn the TV off. Sports Center can wait. Wait a minute, hold on. Let me DVR. I don't want to miss this part right here. But it can wait. I shut everything off. I turn my phone over. I have my girls come to me face to face. Sometimes I grab them by the face. But I want them to know your father is here. I'm listening to you because you are valuable to me and you are loved. Speak. Are you here? Your heavenly father does the same thing every time you come to him in prayer. He stops the world so that he can listen to you. Why? Because he loves you and you are valuable and you are worth it. Other people may not listen. He will every single time. How do I know? Because he did it with Daniel and he had been doing it since he was the age of 16 as recorded in scripture. God hears us. Here's my last point. This is the third close for real. The other one was the second. I lost count. Here's the third one, and I'm done. And this brings me to the favorite part of my scripture. I told you all give me an hour. <laughs> uh, okay. Brings me to the favorite part of the scripture, and I'm finished. Go to the last part of that scripture. And I have come. This is the angel, Jesus, and an angelic host. The response from heaven saying, I have come. Why? Because of your words. In other words, if you didn't speak, I would not have come. But because you spoke to me, I had to come. I had to stop everything. I had to turn the TV of the world off. I had to come to where you are to grab you face to face to let you know, I see you. I hear you. Your love continue to speak. He has come. Why? Because of our words. The question that I want to leave you with is this. Have you given God anything to come for? Or are we so used to talking to other people that we haven't talked to God? Are we so used to complaining about what's going on that we haven't gone to God to raise our concerns and our fears and our prayers and our hopes and our dreams to him? Have you given God anything to come for? Because you got to understand, when God comes, he doesn't come for complaining. He comes because you are praying his word. You are speaking his word and you are desiring to gain an understanding. That's what God shows up for. That's what God comes for. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life that I can make the most of my words. That when I speak, heaven hears and God shows up because he's come for what I said. I want to be able to know that when I walk into a room, and things are disjointed, and that there is no peace, I can in that moment say, God, I need you to come. 
I need you to show up and to be present in this moment. I believe your word. I declare and speak peace into this situation. You are the God of peace. Let there be unity. And God hears that and he comes. For what? My word. Because I walk in the place of having a heart to understand. I walk in the place of being humble. If you walk in that type of place, if your life is postured in that type of place, then when you speak to God, he's coming for what you have to say. If what you have to say is his word. God, I'm in this hospital and things are going wrong. I, God, I, 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 they're, they're saying some negative things and things are in trouble. But God, I'm going to begin to speak your word. God, I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord and let God show up and come for his word. God, there's trouble in my marriage, but I'm not going to fuss at her. I'm not going to blame her. I'm going to take your word, and I'm going to focus on what my response should be and what you've told me to be as a husband and pull those scriptures and work on them for myself. I'm not going to take time to tell her what she ain't doing, what she needs to be doing, and what she could be doing better. God, work on me. Help me to understand her. Help me to love her better. Help me to support her better. Help me to believe in her dreams. I thought I'd get just three women to clap. But God, help me to support her and to love her. And God said, that's what I'll come for when you speak my word. Because he doesn't come because it's just your word alone. He comes because your word is speaking his word. God, I'm scared right now. I have fear. I don't know what to do, but I speak your word. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because God, you're with me. That's what I'll come for. What is it that you're experiencing that you need God to come for? You need him to show up in. And you can shift and change the situation by what you speak and by what you pray, by deciding, I understand that my words are important and that I got to make the most of my words. I will spend the majority of my time in prayer, talking to my God who can move heaven and earth. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Father, I appreciate you because you know as I put my mind to study for this particular opportunity to speak to your people at this church, there was something else much different in my mind, something else much different that I thought would work better, get greater responses, that would cause me to leave here saying that the people would say, ooh, he preached really good. But God, in the midst of that, in the desire to gain an understanding, I then heard your voice speak to me and say, speak to hope about this. So Father, I thank you that this word is not just a prepared stock word that popped up on the timeline of our calendar. But I thank you that this word is the fullest expression of your heart to us in this sanctuary, across virtual media, in this hour of our life. God, you're speaking to us and you want us to get to the place to where we begin to talk more to you, to where we are so moved by the things that we see that we just don't want to jump into the rhetoric. We want to jump into your presence.
and we want to pray until we see things change. Father, when we see fire engulfing the West Coast, that we don't just shake our head and say, that's a shame, and we turn the channel to something else that will entertain us to cause us to not think about the tragedy that is happening, but that it would so move us to mourning and move us to praying that we will begin to pray until rain falls from heaven to put out what man can't put out. God, help us to get to a place to where we are nightly seeing COVID numbers that we have not become just so dead into what we see, that we're so used to what we see that we think is just part of what should be happening. Let there be something holy that rises us, rises up in us and says, I'm not content with what's being experienced. I'm going to get on my knees and on my face and I'm going to pray because God, I know that when I pray, you hear me on the first day. And God, I'm going to pray until the vaccine shows up. I'm going to pray until a cure shows up. God, I'm going to pray until the, until the tide of this thing changes. God, I'm not happy with seeing social injustice and protests in the street. Whether I'm on one side or the other, it's still not good for humanity. So God, I'm not just going to click past the channel and say, ooh, those people should do better, but I'm going to engage in prayer and say, God, I'm going to pray that there be peace in our streets, peace in our community, peace every single where that we are looking. God, when we see the trouble of parents having to decide whether to send kids back to school or not, when we see people losing their jobs, let us not be okay with it because our bank account says we're going to make it. But let us be so troubled by it that we begin to pray and we pray for there to be answers and resolve and we pray for you to move us in such a way to where we have a godly response to the situation however you see fit. But God, it's the responsibility that you've given us. You have not given the responsibility to pray to any other entity. You've given it to your church, to your believers, to your people. So God, let there be a revival of prayer that rises again from your people. Every time we see in history that revival took place, it's because a group of people were so troubled by what was happening that they began to pray. And their prayer shifted everything because God heard them the first day they started praying. God, let us not be so disappointed by the things that didn't turn out how we thought they should when we prayed before that we then begin to say that prayer doesn't work. It does. And the things that didn't turn out how we prayed it, we'll understand it later in the great by and by. But until then, we will not relinquish our weapons. We will not drop our prayer to the floor, but we will rise up by kneeling down and begin to pray. Praying again until things shift. Praying again until things are healed. Praying again until your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, help us to pray your heart. Help us to get our selfish motives out of the way and help us to get into a place that we are praying to gain the understanding of the king and that we are praying the heart of the king to the kingdom. And God, we thank you for this. Only you can do it. And we give you glory for this. Let this not just be another message, 
Let this not just be another moment that we shake off when we leave here, but let these words that you've given me to speak to your people trouble us until we do something about it. In Jesus' name, amen.